Anyway, all right, cool. So we're going to start. Yay. <laughs> Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast. <laughs> Hi, Esther. Hi, Ollie. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about the book today. I know that people probably oh. are tired of us hearing, like, tired of hearing us talk about it, but we actually have directed questions this time. I know. I feel like we haven't talked about it enough, to be honest. We, we just, talk about like, the existence by... of it. Yeah. Right. I think it's just, a little like, bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah, that too. Like a part yeah. of my brain is like, you know, you're not an author. Nobody wants to hear you talk about your book. <laughs> but that's probably not <laughs> And then not here true. I am over here like, I'm thinking like, well, I think I need to make more posts that I'm an author on Instagram. Do But it. also, <laughs> Might I don't well. have time. <laughs> People who do way less authoring than we did do it all the time. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. So maybe me trying to talk you out of feeling like I'm an imposter is what will help. We're me both stop like coaching each like other. It. Yeah, exactly. We have to keep coaching it. each other through this. <laughs> it's how the whole process has gone. I know. I know. We're just like, like affirmations of being capable of doing this is what we did to get through the whole experience. Cause that's the, I think, I don't think there's a question involving this, but we're not like traditional authors. Like we enjoy books a lot. Yeah. And we follow lots of amazing authors. Yeah. But th- this is not our gig. No, <laughs> we just happen into this. Esther's so. <laughs> written some, uh, Anne of Green Gables fanfic. And fan that fiction. is pretty much the extent of our previous, yeah. I did take creative writing in high school for two we years. We did dissertations for oh, yeah. like we theology did, We also classes. both went to grad school. So that yeah. also, like we've written a lot, but not in like a book format. Right. And not in like an advertisal sort of Right. Format. Nobody like, wants to read my, my thesis hi, about like fourth century North African <laughs> Christian sects. That's for sure. I have reread it I recently because it. I just really, really was curious about what it was like. It's pretty fucking funny. I have to say, somehow I made my senior thesis from undergrad pretty funny, even though the topic would not necessarily have to be funny. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Card of the day, then we're gonna go through yes. some questions. Uh, then we'll do our Patreon shout-outs if we have any new Patreon supporters, which I totally forgot to look for. I believe we have one awesome new Patreon well, supporter. It's gonna be a very special day for you, dear sweet new Patreon supporter. And Yay! then we'll be done. So this may end up being a short episode, depending on how sappy we and emotional we get with each other about I know, everything. That's true. Well, it may get really emotional because Esther's, Esther's been working a lot today. Esther's so. had a very, very, very long day. <laughs> and day. I'm feeling emotional because it's raining. I love it. And that always makes me nostalgic. Aww. So we'll try to it. not cry at the very least, but who knows what'll happen. Who I knows mean, I happen. say that all the time. What's the love, moon in? I, yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, Google, what's the moon in right now? Well, Google answer that question i've never even thought to ask i will let me try let me try to try let me try fuck you siri okay let's see hey google what is the current moon phase oh now google's like ignoring me because i said siri (laughs) hey google i'll try on mine too (gasps) hey google what sign is the moon in right now (laughs) aquarius 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 is what google said (laughs) thanks google (laughs) See, now I'm wondering why Esther and I, I both have Android phones. And <laughs> so do. all of that is just set up. And I always, and but the funny thing about in my house is that I also have 
uh, Google Home oh, in basically right. every single bedroom. So sometimes uh-huh. my phone listens and sometimes like the other Google Homes listen. So I never know where I'm going to get an answer. Sometimes I'll set a timer and it'll be like across the entire house or oh, even more hilariously, every single Google Home in the house will have the timer go off at the same time. <laughs> Anyway, oh, no, I, I am not it. concerned about surveillance if that's what you're thinking. <laughs> no. <laughs> Apparently and at they know, all. They know everything anyway because they have our phones. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. I'm not at all worried about surveillance. And I like I being able to turn off all of my lights using voice commands. <laughs> I know. I wish I, I was I was looking at doing, getting a Google Home and I was like, okay, I literally could not set this up in my home. That's the only reason why. It's because the light situation. Yeah. Because here the lights would be so weird. So I'm like, well, dang it. I'll just wait for my new home eventually. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That you have a little bit more control over. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All right. So our card for the episode, I'm using the borderless Smith weight again because I just really love it and I forget about it. And we're in a bookie mood. And so having some pixie art is the way I want to go. Um, Our card for the day is the three of wands. Ooh, I like that. I do like that, especially given some of our questions about future plans. Oh, joy. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got to make up some before we get to that question. I know. We've got to figure out what our future plans are, Esther. (laughs) It's hard. It is hard. It's so hard. So many ideas in no time. And it's only going to get worse for you in the upcoming year. We... We will talk about that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. So our first question is, what was the timeline for writing the book slash how? Okay. Actually, I want to do a caveat first. There are certain things that we are legally not allowed to talk about in terms of like, like contractual stuff. Oh, I'm glad you remembered this because I would not. I was just told everything and then been been, been like, excuse me. Uh, Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) it's not extreme. Like I and it's not going to make us like, you know, not talk about stuff. But one of the things that we can't talk about is money or the terms of the contract okay right that's kind of all that's yeah i I feel i mean just like the details and stuff like yeah yeah i think like the this what we have been asked here is not outside of is is outside of that those terms yeah yeah no i don't think so either but i do want to mention it in case someone's like it's weird how they're tiptoeing around this oh yeah so our book writing journey was really interesting because we both did not realize that that's what was happening until like two meetings in. Well, okay. <laughs> Esther realized what was happening. <laughs> and because we got an email and I was like, huh, it's from a publisher. Huh. They wanted to, to meet with us. To pick our brains about pick this our brains about book something. Idea. And, and I, and I was like, they want to ask us to write the book. And then Holly accepts accepts it at a time when Esther is dead asleep at 2 a.m. And Esther's like, is Holly trying to get this book deal on her own? Oh, my God, Esther. What is going on? (laughs) I thought, no, because they phrased it like, we just want to pick your brain. And I was like, I guess that's something I could just do on our own. Because I thought they were going to ask us for suggestions of who we thought would be good at writing this book. (laughs) How dumb am I? And then then I think right, right before, like, I was like, well, I would really like to be part of this and i was like oh and sure and whatever. Sure, like, see if sure, we whatever. yeah exactly i forgot about that completely we totally changed the time yeah we turned to time and stuff and then like two minutes before we got on with these people i was like holly i think they're gonna ask us to write a book and holly was like what <laughs> they're gonna ask us to write a book and i, I was literally like, was yeah. thinking like who do we know that would be great at writing a book i mean claire is the obvious answer she's right. already an author she has this amazing artistic skill like i was full-blown <laughs> Like running a she list was like of who listing I thought could people 
Yeah. She would be amazing at this. And I'm like, Holly, they're going to ask us to do this. Yeah. That's why they and that didn't us occur to me at all. So I'm glad that you worked through <laughs> your thought process of me trying to like hide it from you because I was too dumb to even understand that that's what was happening. <laughs> well, at it was all. just, it was just like, because this is like during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Times. This like, was happening in like July. Was, like, yeah. It was like in July ish when they approached us. And so like I was already like full blown panicky mode because of pandemic reasons. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, now I'm like, and because. I guess because I have enough friends who have published books before, I kind of know the vernacular yeah. of like them approaching you for a book pitch. And I feel like everyone I know that's written a book has done fiction in sort of a specific genre, which won't surprise right. anyone to hear that it's romance. And so there's like a right. sort of a different pitching structure where in romance especially – I feel like it's the author writes the book and then they pitch it to a lot of publishers to see where it goes. And so this, which was a publisher approaching us to Uh pick our brains about a book about tarot art history. I was like, I don't know what this could mean at all. (laughs) I'm happy to consult with you. (laughs) But I'm like, just send us an email with these questions if you want to consult with us. A week before. I forgot about that. We changed the time so that Esther could be there. Yeah. Man, what would have happened if one, I mean, first of all, this is not what they were offering, but can you imagine no, a world not. in which one of us wrote this book? Oh, geez. It would have been awful. <laughs> I wouldn't have been like, able to me, write it without I'm thinking you. myself writing this book alone, but it would have been awful. It would have been, been like every, every card is beautiful. Every card is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to go in and punch up some of the sentences, Esther. You were still great with your information. You're just like, isn't it pretty? <laughs> I don't like describing cards. Like, that's the thing. Like, I I'm know. Like, just look at it. Right, exactly. So <laughs> ultimately, that's also, I think we have a question about it in a little bit. In uh-huh. a little bit. So I guess we'll finish answering this one first. But, yeah, yeah. So we basically started, we got contacted in, I think, July, right? And then... Like, beginning of July, I yeah. feel like. And then there was a couple of weeks of us putting together a proposal, which was a really mm-hmm. interesting process. And it makes total yeah. sense for a nonfiction book to, they want to see all of the beats of the book. Yeah. Like, here's this chapter. Yeah. Here's what we're focusing on. Here's what we want to include. So it really helped us in that initial process before we even knew that we'd gotten it because they were still mm-hmm. like, ask, they, it, we weren't the only people who put together a proposal. It right. seems like based on our right, right, right. limited understanding of the situation. So we put together a proposal with literally, I think everything in the proposal is what we actually ended up going with. I th- I think there are a few extra decks we took out and just oh, included yeah. them in contemporary or something maybe. Oh yeah, we did switch around the contemporary to make contemporary longer. Yeah. And I think we had to take out one chapter, one entire chapter because of rights issues with the images. Right, right. Yeah. But still, the our idea behind it was basically who made this deck, why we should care, and what its uh-huh. relevance to modern tarot looks like. Right. So, and I think in our pitch, we mentioned, like, specifically, like, it being the women of tarot because yeah. they've been so over, like, looked for so many times, right. like, for so many years. Not only Pixie, because I think Pixie, we, we mentioned in the book that it's, like, she's revival, like, yeah. she's had, like, a revival or whatever. She's totally had a revival. But there are other women and other, like, figures who have pushed tarot into the forefront right. that have kind of been ignored because fucking patriarchy. Right, so. exactly. So between August... And I was realizing the week of Thanksgiving, we finished Uh our first draft right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And so then at this point last year, we were starting the editing process. Right. And going through each other's chapters. 
Right. Uh, we have a couple questions about like that sort of co-authoring mentality in a little bit. But yeah, I think we are fully, fully done by the second week of J- January. Yeah, okay, so it had to be like submitted, like our words had to be submitted by Christmas. Right. And then they put it like in a like a rough format with pictures, and then we were we went over all the stuff with the pictures and everything. Kind so of many that times. Week of January. Yeah, yeah. It was incredibly fast, and I think it is unusual. And even from the very very beginning, our like I guess project manager, I don't know what her official uh-huh. title is, from the publisher was saying like this is unusually fast. Like we are doing this right. really really quickly. Right. Um, so I don't because know- while we were approached in July. Uh, stuff was held back until literally like the beginning to middle of September and we weren't kind of given the go until then to kind of start. And then we were like feet running like very, very I We've said it before, but I think it's really, really worth mentioning that I think that truly one of the only reasons we were able to do this at all was because the pandemic put a stop to basically every other thing we were doing. Like I didn't even Mm -hmm. have a commute anymore, which freed up two and a half hours or two, I guess Mm -hmm. two solid hours a day that I could write in. And we spent literally like Nathan was joking with me about how like last year, I just wasn't aware of how much like sports he was watching and all of that stuff. And I know that the seasons (laughs) got all messed up, but also I was just like, upstairs writing every single right. weekend. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And exactly. not having a social yeah. life or a commute really made it totally doable in the amount of time. I don't know how we would have been able to accomplish it if we were still like in regular functioning Normal. world right. at the time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So it was chaotic and really 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 fast. Yes. Um, but yeah, so the second question is what was the inspiration to write the book and is there a fun origin story origin story? And I think it's kind of like there is this influx of tarot books and uh, Tashin had just done their encyclopedia of tarot, which is all it, it has some text in it, but it's largely just images. Right. Um, and so there's sort of like this like inclination to follow that trend. And I think that that's mm-hmm. why the publisher came up with the idea and approached us about it is that they're like the people want this information and you guys sort of like already have an audience and seem to work really mm-hmm. well together. And so that's how it came to us. Once we yeah. got started though, it was really, really fast for us to decide that we really wanted to focus on like the under discussed stories. And mm-hmm. then especially once we got started with the outline creation, how hard it is to find information about some of these people, because right. a lot of the art history of tarot books that, uh, the U S games guys, what's his name? Oh, uh, Stuart Kaplan, Stuart Kaplan. Yeah. Stuart Kaplan published all of these books about the art history of tarot in like the 70s and 80s. Uh-huh. And I think even early 90s, but none of them are still in print. There's like three volumes of them, each of which is $140 used. Well, and those are just kind of like the card plates. It's not, doesn't right. really like There's dive into a lot of, a lot of the, it, like the history of the art behind yeah, them. Yeah, so totally. Some of these things are kind of like lost to the lore of time. Right, almost. right. Or like deep, deep, deep in Wayback Machine websites, right. whatever. Like it's it can be really hard to find. So when we realized that, it got even more exciting for us. And Mm -hmm. that was still when we were doing, working on the outline, just like how cool is it that we're going to have a book that will be available again with some of this information that is not so readily available. That's hard for people to find and we can find it and we can bring it to people. And how cool is that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause we're both like history nerds 
and we both enjoy telling the stories of others in like a cohesive sort yeah. of like manner. We're not very fluffy people where we have to have all this purple prose to prove our knowledge. Right, and right. Our, of we want to tell like anecdotes know? about people. Yeah, yeah, and how that's kind of like impacted their personal stories and their life and stuff like that. We're just we're just very down to earth individuals and kind I of. I don't know if you're allowed to say that about yourself. I am. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> no, but yeah, I just think I'm like a I think Leo, our book says Esther. I will call myself down to earth as much as I want. <laughs> I will tether myself to the ground. Uh, but, <laughs> but I think it's one of those things, kind of like where both of us. We, we kind of, before even the book came out or even like, even early on the podcast, we, we've been here to like debunk all of the stuff right in, in tarot in a that loving people have way like we love this yeah. stuff so we don't want people to believe the fake stuff. We want people yeah. to like still love it while having an actual understanding of what's going on. Right, right. Exactly. Which is doable. So, and we did it with our book. So exactly. Uh, the next question is have you either of you written any other books we've already sort of talked about this but no fan fiction and that's it yes I have some we have some ideas for both books together and also books separately separately Um, separately mostly fiction together mostly divinatory stuff but we work (laughs) so well together and so it's Mm -hmm. like really easy to envision us continuing to do some sort of writing together because Mm -hmm. it was it just was like pretty functional like we just yeah we both like assume that the other person is trying their absolute best and we like everything that we do between the two of us is in a lot of good faith like I trust that you don't think I'm an idiot or if I were being an idiot, you tell me we're not, we're not, yeah. like, we're not, I don't know. We just work really well together. So it doesn't feel stressful to think about doing this again. Cause it could have totally, right. if we were not so good at working together, doing the book together would have probably Ribbon. destroyed us. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah. And I think neither of us are like competitive with each other right. either. Yeah, that's true. We, we recognize each other's strengths Yeah, and we, and we're able to fill in the gaps when the other person's like, you know, like, exhausted is like okay right. it's okay we'll pick this up and do this right. later you know don't worry about it yeah. yeah or like i can't look at this i can't look at ever crowley again. anymore would you please exactly. look at this for me i know that it's not going with the cycle of editing but would you mind right. looking at this like it just is and it doesn't i don't feel like i need to hide my feelings of ineptitude from you so that means yeah. that you can then pick up where i'm dropping off and i feel like we both are like that with each other, and that's really helpful in a team dynamic. Right, to, like, exactly. Like, not yeah. be trying yeah. to hide it and, like, not getting shit done and lying. Like, I know mm, that right, Esther's exactly. doing the things she's saying she's doing, and Esther knows right. that I'm doing the things I'm saying I'm doing. Because if I'm not, I just say, I can't do this. <laughs> or, like, in the contemporary section where I'd be writing late at night and you'd be writing early in the morning, we'd see each other, like, in Google Docs, yeah, like, with our exactly. little things or whatever. Oh, hi! Like, Hello! <laughs> We know Good we're working morning. here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Try to get a word count in. Which, which, by the way, did you see Sarah McLean's like word count tweet, like beater thing? No, it's amazing. What is her I'll, strategy? So she said to like make squares for every one hundred words oh. and have your word count, and so every one hundred words you fill it in so and have like it. your goal for the day. Yeah. For like, and then like it's. I'll show you. It's like she's been retweeting stuff, and it looks. I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna do this next time for the book because, like, short little incremental goals yeah we is so achievable. spreadsheet and we've finished yeah. the chapter put it in the spreadsheet but the incremental goals is really fun I like that yeah for personal stuff yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. i love that so idea anyway. yeah 
Um, what made us decide to include the physical deck? Okay, so our publisher is like a hobbyist publisher. This that was totally their idea. They yeah, asked that was us their what idea. Cards we wanted to use, and obviously we gave feedback about the backs and stuff. But mm-hmm. they're sort of known for having inclusions of stuff like this in like their gift stuff. kitschy stuff. Yeah, like it's all meant as sort of a gift box. Yes. I was, as I've talked about on the podcast before, fucking so stoked to have envelopes in the back of the book because totally. that was like a lifelong love. But right. when they said, like, what deck do you want to use or what cards do you want to use? You have space for, I think, 24 cards or something. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, the obvious answer is Solabuska because that's the deck that we were the most surprised and delighted mm-hmm. by that's yeah. also in the public domain. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, it was we had to do a public domain one. Yeah. So we had, like, what, Visconti, Solabuska, yeah. Rider-Waite-Smith, yeah. and then probably, like, any of those other, like, Terre de Marseille. Yeah, totally. But for us, like, Solabuska was that underdog deck that right. not a lot of people know or use. Yeah. And so to us, that was kind of, like, the given to right. kind of, like, introduce people to that deck and let them celebrate all the mythology I and stuff. I think initially we really liked the idea of doing, like, 24 magician cards or something. Oh, we yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that briefly. Like, yeah. like, a bunch of different styles of the same card so people could pull them all out and look at the progression. But mm-hmm. that was going to be way too complicated when it comes right down to it. And it right. would have been really hard to get the rights to do that. So this method was so perfect and I'm so happy with it. It's so fun to look through Yeah, and it just looks so cool. So good job, Epic Inc. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it was the only deck that had all of the major arcana still right. intact. Yeah. That's so that true. was really kind of important too. So we didn't have to like redesign any cards. Right. For, which is own. <laughs> sort of outside. Actually, you could probably do it, but it's definitely outside of my skill set. And I think we had enough going on that it would have been Yes, exactly. We're like, Esther doesn't need to have like her brain firing <laughs> yeah, like exactly. literal fire from her ears. Exactly. Uh, what was the funniest story about the editing process? The most frustrating part or the scariest part? Uh, I think starting with the scariest part, the scariest part was just that we'd never done it before. So we yeah. really didn't know what to expect. Our editor, Beth, is like a complete Amazing. saint. I love her so much. And I hope that if we ever do write another book together, that she would be able to be our editor again because she was so good at managing us. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I was never scared and I was really never even that frustrated. I think the only frustrating part for me was those days when you have a, like a hard deadline and you're trying to get as many words as possible. And you're just trying to put the, that grind in that. I think for me, that was like the frustrating part because you're just having to keep pushing and you know that, like, anything that's coming out is what's going to go in there right, for the moment. Right. You know? <laughs> and you're like, Beth, I'm so sorry that yeah, this chapter is crap. Yeah, I hope this crap. makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, the, I think exactly. the funniest part about the edit, or the funniest uh, anecdote that I can remember about the editing process was when it went to the copy editor. And the uh, publisher uses this really cool program that I, of course, can't remember the name of. Where they use, like, student copy editors, sort of. Like, oh, people yes. who are trying to train to be copy editors. And they're mostly from, like, underrepresented minority groups. And so we had, like, a lot of fun with, like, seeing the personality of our copy editor as they Uh were going through our book. And one of the things that I really loved is that our little (laughs) wink, wink, nudge, nudge joke about Uh Pixie Smith's roommate, like, oh, they Uh were just roommates, got that reaction from the copy Uh editor where the copy editor was like, 
are you implying what I think you're implying? And we're like, yes, <laughs> we're we like, are. Yes. <laughs> yes. If I remember, they were pretty young too. Yeah. Like they were in their mid twenties. Right. I think. Early to mid twenties. And so it was really cool to kind of like, after, you know, us and Beth, we're all in our thirties. We're all like, you know, like you and I know a ton about tarot. Beth doesn't know much about tarot, but she's like right. enthusiastic about it. It was cool to see how our jokes landed with exactly. like kind of a young hip. <laughs> Like with with a with a Gen Z, with a Gen Z, like... yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've been Gen Z approved, yeah, everybody. exactly. So that was really fun, and I think also because like now knowing that a lot of the, and I'm sure that every single person who's ever written anything has this experience where you get a lot less feedback from people about the actual yeah. text of your book. Uh-huh. You just hear like, oh, it's great. Oh, I love this. Or in our case, oh my god, it's huge. Yes. And so getting actual like textual feedback was really Uh fun. And that was making me laugh a lot. The other part that I remember absolutely losing my shit over was you unveiling Lady Frida Harris's pen name, Jesus Chutney, (laughs) and how long we talked about how great of a nicknaming convention using a religious figure and then a condiment. Uh I still have that Canva template that I'm ready to release the world. So. It's just completely Jesus hilarious. Jesus Chutney. I just think it's so funny. <laughs> anyway, what were some of your most favorite parts about the Okay, process? so uh, the one of the, the other frustrating parts with was Crowley specifically. Oh, yeah. Because, because that chapter, because as we have spoken before at probably far too much length for this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, is Crowley that, fans. <laughs> is that Crowley was is like such a problematic figure, mm. but he has to be recognized in our community. Right. And we just we can't get around so that. much text about him in the world. Exactly. Like he's he's unignorable. Yes, exactly. And so but when finding Lady Frida, that was something that we could bite into. But as I was writing the chapter, I really honestly felt like Crowley was like out yelling to get at you. Me. Yeah, exactly. He, like like I was like at one point I was like, Crowley go away leave, like, us leave alone. me alone let me let me write about lady frida and get this chapter over with because it was like the last chapter in the first bulk that we in that first like little bulk that we had that i had left yeah oh and that's we, like, true too a submit yeah so i was like god crowley what are you doing um and so after our first thing run through it, our editor beth looks over it and then she gives it to us once she's kind of like looked over it and kind of like done the touches or like made her suggestion so yeah. holly was getting it next and one of the hardest parts for me is math. Oh, yeah. Like, math has always been my weakest point. <laughs> All the remedial courses I took at college. We have been every so, so open about our personal struggles with math. On this Everyone podcast. knows our struggles Everyone with math. Everyone knows. Yeah, exactly. And so I literally spent, like, four hours researching projective geometry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was trying to, like, how on earth do I fucking explain, explain projective p- geometry? And so I'm just, like okay, I'm just trying my best. And I write whatever. And then, you know, Beth gets a hold of it. I'm sure she's like, what the fuck is Esther saying here? (laughs) I don't know any of these math words. And then Holly gets into it. And then I read it back. And so Holly, uh, just like through her words, just amazingly explains projective geometry, simplifies it much more than I could have. And then she's like, mathematicians, we really don't want to hear from you about this. And I died. (laughs) Because I think we, we read really this on not. the podcast or was it on Patreon? Because it is. A really I don't great... remember if it was on Patreon. I probably probably both at this point because it's one of my favorite moments. But yeah. yeah, that I think so. That was also some of the feedback that we got in that first round of edits is that 
Esther was really focused on getting the information correct and missed some of the opportunities for jokes or lightheartedness. And sometimes in one of the, in the Solabuska chapter, you even were trying to take out a pun. And I was like, no, you have to leave it. (laughs) Like we need to leave that there. But yeah, for Uh that section, it was like, I, so I was doing the first rounds of edits on that chapter. And like you spent hours trying to understand what the hell this meant. And then it was like, you know what? There's no YouTube videos about this. Like, Like, (laughs) I checked. It's synthetic projective geometry. An axonomical approach to projective geometry doesn't require projective space to be defined over an algebraically closed ground field or even a field at all. Wait, what? For those of us who didn't understand that description at all, synthetic geometry is a way to project how shapes intersect and coexist with each other especially in three-dimensional shapes drawn in a two-dimensional model, which I think is why it's so confusing because it's Mm -hmm. really hard for our brains as non-mathy people to understand three-dimensional objects in a two-dimensional plane. Right, right. Uh, In art, it's a way to play with perspective and draw attention to certain things that may otherwise be lost in the background. Mathematicians, we truly do not want to hear from you about how we're explaining this. (laughs) We are trying our best. Because she took a class from like a cool... Like, and the Woman. actual person who invented this. Yeah. Like, it was, like, the person who came up with this Olive theory. Witcher. She, Yeah. It was, like, really badass and cool. And I'm like, I'm going to include this because fuck yes, women in math. Yeah. And you can see it in the cards. Like, there definitely is, yeah. like, angles used to draw attention to certain areas. But I was just like, this is just such what? a cool component to include. Yeah. It, it so was. you did a so really anyways. good job of the initial explaining. And then I just went in <sighs> and was like, Simplify. mathematicians, leave us alone. We're not interested. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can keep your thoughts to yourself. We're trying our best. What so I think that was probably the funniest, the funniest part, part for me. Process. Yeah. Uh, would we do it the same way if we wrote uh, another book? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, th- I don't. I honestly don't even know if having more time would have made the book better because I think that having s- short time frames forced us to do it in a way that, like, right? Since then, we haven't even. Started. I I think it would have been nice if the goalposts weren't. Wurt, Wurtent. Oh my gosh, I'm an author. <laughs> you wrote a book, Esther. I Wurtent did. Is it's published. For a word. Wurtent. Uh, if the like goalposts weren't changed, because there was a few times they're like, hey, we need this like three weeks early or right, something. Right, that's true. Like, actually, can you get this to us sooner rather than later? And then it's a little yeah, chaotic. yeah. That 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 agent of chaosness was not my favorite. But like you said, I I don't think us. I mean, I think us still having it like in that period of time was fine. Just. Please don't move the dates on me. Cause... Right. It's a little stressful. <laughs> Schedule. A little Thank bit you. stressful. And then yeah. all the dates being changed, like because of supply and demand issues. It was just yes, like, yes, yes. That's <laughs> we true. We ended yes. up finishing it early, but then having it be released really late. <laughs> really so, late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, plans for another book, either jointly or separately. We already kind of talked about this. I do. I mean, we, ha- we have stuffs in the ether, but... Yeah. It's just a matter we of We haven't actually... sent them up the ether yet. Well, it's hard without Beth yeah. being like, here's what you should be doing next. I know. Beth, <laughs> big sister, please, if you're listening to this episode. All three, Beth and Esther and me are all eldest children. And we children. like super, super bonded about how we needed her to be our big sister. And then she was really good at it. Yeah, and she was. She was amazing. It was. Amazing. <laughs> it, was. it was. Okay. And then this question is from Rachel specifically. And the reason I say that is that She says, how do you keep the magic alive despite huge differences in distance and time between the two of you beautiful angels? Please read verbatim. Hashtag tag me, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I think it helps that we just really like each other. Yeah. I mean, I think we work well together. I think so too. And like I said, I just think that we believe in the best in each other. And so Mm -hmm. it makes it easy to continue like doing stuff with you. Right. Because I just like always know that we're going to be able to like do it together. Like we just work really Mm -hmm. well together. Right. I mean, fixed signs are going to just push through. And And I have always like everybody that I love has strong cancer placements. Like my husband, my mom, my sister, you like there's just so many people with strong cancer placements. And I think that I just really like vibe with that. Mm-hmm. So, we well, just you are Capricorn, what? Moon rising. and rising. Moon, moon and rising. So, rising. That's, so those are the opposites. Like we're yeah. each other's areas. Yeah, exactly. So that's that like, helps. you know, astro- astrological soulmates in some ways yeah. to have these like big placements that are complementary to each other. Yeah. I also think that it helps like, Holly's like this podcast. I'm more of a night owl. Yeah, true. You're more of a morning person. Yeah, so we so can, that's how we make difference. this recording thing work. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's the other part of it is that we'd been working on a really long term project together for like two years yeah. by the time it even started. So it's not like we didn't have experience with each other's work schedules being out of control. Exactly. Or like days like this where Esther had a really long day and she's completely mm-hmm. wiped out and we know we have to do this still. Like, Right. It's just we already had overcome a lot of those conflicts that could arise with like group project settings. Exactly. Exactly. Years before we even started writing the book. Right. I think if it was like we were new people that had come together to write a book, I think there'd be more friction. Yeah. But because we'd already worked through like other life stuff plus the podcast together. Well, and like we already kind of had those. You know that I am not somebody with who like whose brain works in ulterior motive ways. But we know that about each other because we've been doing this for so long. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't know that, even just the fucking meeting thing would have been really weird. Like, I didn't even realize that. You must have been like, what the (laughs) hell is going on, Holly? No, it was just more just like, what? What? No, I don't think so. No ulterior motive. pandemic panic? Dumb, dumb. Just a big old dumb, dumb. I'm so charming and beautiful, but dumb as a dumb as a rock. That's not so true. yeah, so yeah, I th- I'm think very that's... wise too. <laughs> I just you are you're amazing. I don't have you're ulterior motives. I just doesn't. No. That's not how my brain works. Yeah, because and and I have to combat that constantly because, like, I'm kind of figuring out that I was always raised to believe that people always have ulterior motives. Yeah. Because when you're working in church, and you have all these people that are kind of always presenting out to kind of get one you thing and right. presenting one thing exactly. So for me, it's just actually something that's kind of like clicked in the pa- recent like weeks, even though it's something I Whoa. come up against constantly. Yeah, it just kind of was something this week. I was like, I am doing this I every don't time. Think, yeah, yeah every, every it's almost it's like I automatically go to the negatively like worst case scenario that someone's out to get me. Yeah, sort of thing. So. Just kind of realize that this week. No, that's Hello. such a good realization so. to have. I mean, we've had a couple of epiphanies together in the last week because yeah. I also started reading terror for myself just as predicted. Hey, hey. In last episode us. where it was like, maybe now that the book's over, <laughs> we'll start reading for ourselves again. And then I yeah. was right. Yeah. I've been way more inclined to pick up cards. So we're all just like mm-hmm. having epiphanies. But that's mm-hmm. a really good one to have because it's true. There's like some stuff that happens when you're raised in a really isolated religious environment where you know right. that people's homes or home lives are not as shiny hunky dory as they're being projected uh-huh. into the world. So of course you're going to say like, well, what are you actually? And there's so many like 
petty power struggles yes, within church exactly. organizations. Mm-hmm. Or not just church organizations, probably any right, organizations. Just organizations. But, but yeah, one of my hard life lessons was when I first left grad school and started being an academic advisor was like, these people are not your friends. Your coworkers uh-huh. are not your friends. Exactly. Right. But I went through, right. I guess, the first 27 years of my life just assuming everyone wanted to be my friend all the time. You know, <laughs> you know, they should. I know if they knew what they were doing, they absolutely <laughs> would. But it just, I think that that's like a totally understandable uh-huh. realization to have to make. Right. And now that you've had it, you can start like actually doing some critical thinking about Right. Which times you're right and which times exactly. you're not right. Because I th- I think because I automatically think the worst, I that like that little like pinging thing is on high alert all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so but I, it's just like, OK, so now that I know it exists, what to kind of do about it to kind of curtail it? Like, right. Bring it back a little bit. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sure that you're not wrong all the time. I'm sure no, there are certain no, situations where you're absolutely <laughs> No, I'm definitely I'm not. <laughs> I'm sure that there are certain situations where that gut instinct is actually protecting uh-huh. you, but figuring out right. where it's helping and where it's hindering is like right. such a huge part I think, of growth. I love that. Yeah, well, especially I think with like trusted family and friends, yeah. like, you know, Homan and you and other friends, it's like automatically being like, okay, it's it's kind of talking self that self talk. They've never done anything right. like this in the past. It's unlikely Why would they start that now? what they mean is to hurt <laughs> yeah exactly me. yeah exactly right. That's a so really it's just good so yeah it's it's just that like knee jerk reaction yeah. that I'm figuring out because Which... now we don't have <laughs> tons of stuff going on. Right, seriously. So Esther's brain is like, oh hey, have you thought about? T- addressing this well and also i don't know i saw all of your massive amounts of retweets in the last 24 hours oh, it seems like oh, you yeah. have such bigger fish to fry than like worrying about if somebody's like trying to like jump on your the government's coattails. out to get me yeah like the actual <laughs> korean government is like sorry you're not allowed to go into grocery stores anymore foreigner even though you're like right fully right, vaccinated right. married to a korean guy and have lived well, you haven't gone anywhere since the <laughs> pandemic started how are well, you at it- risk Thankfully, the, all the embassies decided to make a joint statement today, so that's changing. Oh, but yes, it took it took like literally like three weeks of us tweeting the embassies for something to, to be, be like, done, please so. help us. Why please are stop you being like this? Exactly. So. I saw one of the retweets that you posted was somebody who posted a picture of the side of a bus in like England, like with a Korean oh, yes. tourism <laughs> ad on it, and it's like, come to Korea, and you're like, come you can't even let me as a British person <laughs> in Korea into Korea. Like I can't it, even yeah, participate yeah. in daily life the way yeah, that I like that's to. the thing it's like because they th- th- what has happened is that they've set up where people who have to be vaccinated yeah. like vaccinated rest- like registration yeah but they've never they've not made a pathway for foreigners who have gotten their vaccine overseas to oh. be able to enter places but the so, problem is is that even if tourists came here yeah. the tourists wouldn't be able to go anywhere yeah yeah so it's kind of like you're shooting yourself in the foot here right from so it's and not the, impacting the KDC, your vaccination status because you got right. yours there but i got mine else. here but it but even like people who have like who like friends of mine who went back to the states during the pandemic to get their vaccine and came back because korea didn't have any yeah they've been rejected from gyms and bars Whoa. and students that are new here they've been rejected yeah. from places and even you just as a foreigner walking into a place probably get some side eye if they know yeah. that most foreigners who didn't get their vaccines in korea should be there then you're like right no i promise you're just bringing <laughs> yeah, home I'm, with you everywhere i'm, I'm from here i have <laughs> yeah yeah i haven't left so in years <laughs> yeah anyway but, but you have like kind of, actual you know, 
systematic yeah. things that are out to get you. So now it feels like you don't have to worry about like individuals. <laughs> exactly. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's more of just like retraining my brain that people who have been here for me are not out to get me. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that really extra helpful. paranoia that I've been feeding off of from the Trump um, era is needs to go away. Thank well, you very much. Yeah, I mean that. And also you, ha- I don't know, like you, your family has acted in ways that are very strange and cagey about different stuff. So your brain is in uh, overdrive all the time. <laughs> I feel like we answered Rachel's question. Yes, we totally did. Okay. Right? So the last question we have is a very long one, but I really think that it touches on a lot of stuff as of us being co-creators and our answer just won't be, we love each other enough that it's fine. We'll oh, come yeah, up yeah, with yeah. something else. So okay. <laughs> last question is, I no did write down who it's from. I'm so sorry. I have a question about co-writing. If I rem- remember correctly from the podcast, you each wrote a chapter and then edited each other's work. I can see how this sort of divide and conquer method would work well for this format, but I'm sure you occasionally came up against scenarios where a decision needed to be made and y'all disagreed with each other. I don't remember I that. Happening. Don't, I think we disagreed more with our editor about a couple of lines, but that was about like, or I insisted that we keep in, Oh, uh, the reference to uh, what's his face uh, for to the Netflix series Wild Wild Country. Yeah, in I think because you had put it in. Yeah, and then our editor took it out, and I put it back. I put it back in, not knowing that you had written it. <laughs> yeah, we're like, <laughs> and no, then this is important. our editor was like, we need, we need this part about Wild Wild Country because we both watched that and have we a did, lot of and it was like it was very compelling. We we're about cults. We need to mention at least one cult in our book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How but do no, you I don't think resolve these issues as co-creators without one person being more senior than the other? I've discussed co-authoring books with others, granted mostly in the context of too many mojitos and spiraling what-if scenarios. So major <laughs> kudos to you for actually doing it. I've always felt that co-authoring would have the benefit of joint brainstorming and motivating each other, but the ambiguity of creative control seems like a huge obstacle. Any insights or tips you can share? I feel like with fiction, it's probably different. Although we do have friends who've co-written fiction together. And I think a huge part of it is just having a really clear idea of what beats you want to make beforehand. Mm -hmm. And I think that you also have to do it with people that you really feel like you can trust to listen to your reasoning. So it's not like, Mm -hmm. like I am a very stubborn person and I can dig my feet in about stuff. Except for this freaking weekend, I was overruled by several people. It was shocking and horrifying. It was my mom and my dad and my friends, Uh Mara and Sarah. Normally, nobody overrules me. And yet, everyone ganged together to overrule me. And I was truly shocked. (laughs) But you should be proud of yourself. It took four people to your one to overrule you. It took four people to overrule me. Um, But yeah, so I think that there is something to be said for like, like, knowing that a certain situation is not one in which you should dig in your heels. Right. Like being able to be self-aware enough to know that you can hear out people's entire idea before making Mm -hmm. a decision because the hearing out the entire idea could be what causes it to be like, okay, well this is actually what we should, I like this part of your idea, but I also really like this part of my idea. And so let's Mm -hmm. figure out ways to make that work together. And they usually can, but I don't think that really came up with our book that much because our content was, I guess with nonfiction, you know that there are like facts that you need to be right. conveying. So the disagreement would have been more about the way to phrase it. But right. we already have such experience working with each other's voices that that didn't really come mm-hmm. up for us. Right. Yeah. Because the I think the only other place that w- 
there was ever any sort of like question was in the Terra de Marseille chapter with um what's his face a uh, Giblin yeah Giblin yeah because there were facts there but there are also lots of mythology there right. and we didn't want it to be confusing yeah we wanted it to be clear what yeah. was actually a documentable thing and what, what exactly what was like a, let's sound cooler but that chapter in general was probably the hardest for us to write because mm-hmm. it is we went it's from repetitive two <laughs> that's what i think de- yeah first of all it's really repetitive <laughs> but also it went yeah. from like a specific deck in a specific time period to a specific deck in a specific time period with Visconti and then Solabusca. And then uh-huh. Terra Marseille is a genre of cards that existed right. for hundreds of years. So there wasn't that same like through line of interesting figures that we could talk mm-hmm. about. So right. we did we still didn't have any conflict, but it was definitely the hardest one to write because I wrote it first. It was basically terrible. And I can totally admit that. <laughs> Beth's feedback was like, I'm not sure there's much here, basically. And right. then because we were doing the alternating editing, Esther had to go in to be like, well, we talked about it as a group of three. Like, what could right. we focus on then if not this? Like, we right. can't really focus on a specific printer because they wouldn't be mm-hmm. significant in the creation of the deck itself. Right. So, but then Esther had to actually do all of that, like, accumulation after we'd brainstormed <laughs> it to get somewhere. But the chapter ended up being fine. Yeah. It was just a really I hard think one to it, write. It was, I think it was really hard because... You know, even uh, we, like in the one page where we detail the differences between all of the kind of Terre de Marseille, right. like, like minutia yeah. differences. Can you see that this guy's toes are showing and this other guy's exactly. toes aren't showing? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's it, that that is hard because, you know, and especially because we don't have any like records of the lives of the artists. Right. And that was like a driving point for most of all the other decks right. that we actually had the lives of the artists. Yeah. And this one we had, it was kind of that transitional deck explaining between like how it got to be a from a game essentially to a a divination style so we was trying to find that through line of okay like how are we going to do this how are we going to explain it yeah and we got there and it took like lots of i remember just one day i had like three documents open in front of me i was like okay we're going to copy and paste like all the stuff everywhere (laughs) i'm like holly don't look at this yet it's not ready don't look at it (laughs) don't look at it Don't look at it. But our reasoning behind the way that we decided to do the editing is because I'm really bad at accepting criticism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was. I remember that being like a big conversation. Right. Right. Where we I was kind of like, I don't know how I think I was telling I was telling you and Beth editing is going to be really hard for me because I get really freaked out by criticism of my writing. Like it's a huge anxiety trigger for me. And Esther Mm -hmm. was like, well, why don't we just edit each other's works? And that then gave the added benefit of at this point, like. If I read a paragraph, I don't know who wrote it. Like none yeah, of it yeah. feels like just one of our works, which is obviously uh-huh. the goal of the editor is to make it a cohesive book. But having it so that we never had the chance to dig in our heels about a specific phrasing that we liked or whatever, because right. we were always going back and forth. Because just the initial editing, we did it, we did each other's initial chapters, but then every uh-huh. subsequent round of whatever we swapped again. So there was never yeah. a time where it was like. I've spent so much time on, you know, this one the wild page unknown. over and over and over. Yeah, yeah. Because we're always going back and forth. You right. know what's funny is that we still haven't even brought up Mother Peace. That poor <laughs> abandoned chapter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
my. Well, and All I, I want to say is tarot. If I could get the as tarot, that would have been what the chapter was about. Because there's so much cool stuff about second wave feminism that I want that we wanted to include. Like, did we even tell this on the podcast the length that I went to try to find the rights owners to this magazine that came out in the same era? The second wave. No, feminism. I don't think so. Be- oh yeah, my I don't god, because so. okay. we didn't talk about mother piece at all. I know that's true. Okay, so <laughs> Esther definitely knows this, but. Our mother piece chapter, it was hard for us to write because you can read the chapter. You'll, we lay out yeah. our criticisms of the deck in it. It's difficult because it is one of the first decks in the book that was sort of like divinely inspired. Like the artists had like a sort of like spiritual vision. realization yeah. vision moment. So that added some components to it. So the art is not necessarily our style. But the other thing is that it came in this period where the goddess movement was emphasizing the through line of the goddess through all religions, which from Mm -hmm. today's perspective, looking back on it is like, we used a lot of sort of like images that might not be for two white American women creators to use. Yes. Um, and at the time, that was just sort of part of the goddess movement because the whole idea is that the goddess is everywhere and throughout all time and whatever, and that's part of it. Um, yeah. But retrospectively, that's difficult. But the beauty of that deck, first of all, is the creators are still living and their deck is still in circulation, so it's easy uh-huh. to access, which is right. important because that is not the case with everything that was written in that era. And mm-hmm. actually, one of the books that I would like to do would be a deeper dive into that like small indie publishing period of the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. where there were people who were doing like Cosmic Tarot as part of a games company but then a right. lot of like feminist bookstores uh, black bookstores queer bookstores that were doing mm-hmm. very very limited releases including one that I love and if anyone has one that they are looking to sell for less than $200 <laughs> I would buy it in a second is Thea's Tarot which is all woodblock printing it's so gorgeous uh-huh. And there's all of these decks that are sort of lost to the sands of time because they were released in formats of like 50 to 150 decks. And then they'd print more as needed or whatever. But a lot of those creators who were like in their 30s and 40s during that time period are starting to be difficult to track down. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it's like it would be a really cool book to kind of we need so much more time than what we had for this book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To spend more time like collecting and researching those cool niche mm-hmm. books. And I talked about this a little bit in that interview that I did with my friend Joe for our school oh, right. YouTube thing, which everyone should watch. Yeah. It was a great conversation. But I just think that that would be so cool. And this deck reminds me of that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like this whole section where we're talking about other second wave feminism and sort of that feminist bookstore zine culture. And there's yeah. this one magazine that was sort of the be all end all. And it was based out of Oregon and it was a married couple, one of whom had children before they got married uh, two women. And both of those publisher or both of those creators have died. But I found some people, <laughs> this is going to make me sound like a total lunatic on <laughs> Facebook who uh-huh. appeared to be one of the women's children, children. Okay. And I wrote, an entire Facebook message being like, I'm writing this book about the art history of tarot. 
your mother's zine it feels really critical and the explanation of second wave feminist like theory and practice we would uh-huh. love to use just an image of any of the covers but we can't find the rights holders blah 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 and then I was like you know what this is insane we can just find some <laughs> other image like I don't uh-huh. this woman is going to be like who are these people what are you trying to do like I- I'm not even related to this person I don't right. know why you're telling me all this I'm no Neve Shulman I couldn't come up with like a good snazzy <laughs> intro to set up a meeting <laughs> so I just ended up bailing out on it and we used a different yeah. image but it's just like I don't know that time period is so interesting to me and I think also being mm-hmm. the children of you know right hippies, hippies. and having <laughs> growing up in a community with so many people who you know were part of that world it just really mm-hmm. interests me like even in the and this is another mother piece thing that's kind of a fun anecdote my dad was a student at UC Santa Cruz when one of the like seminal uh, goddess, goddess religions, uh, seminars or workshops or like a Mm -hmm. huge one with thousands of attendees was happening on his college campus while he was a student there. And I was asking dad like, Oh, do you remember that happening? And he's like, Holly, stuff like that happened like at least once a month. Like, no, that one doesn't (laughs) ring a bell. (laughs) But also in that chapter, the other deck that we talked about as being kind of the second specifically feminist Mm -hmm. deck that is impossible to find now because the creator passed away sometime in the last year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And they were able to track her down for image requests. The, mm-hmm. the air of the, that creator the air. Yeah. for some image requests, but it's just like, I'm worried. This set makes mm-hmm. me sound like a lunatic. I'm worried that there's a lot of amazing shit from the eighties and nineties in tarot mm-hmm. and late seventies to mid nineties, I guess specifically. Right. That's just going to be gone forever. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's one thing we haven't really specified with our book and hopefully people haven't expected it, but like ours is like a very limited history of right. terror art. Yeah. That's like why we're we not going to include like, yeah, deck by deck because like we know that there are other decks that existed oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the seventies and sixties and eighties or whatever. Like yeah. we know that, yeah, totally. but we just couldn't include them. And you know, we we're, we're just trying to get like the big, you know, the big the hitters big ones, that everyone's yeah. aware of, which I think is you know. actually when, when we were doing the outline and it was kind of like suggested, like here are some decks that seem like they are big and terrible. Oh, right. And that was a list that the publisher provided. And we changed a lot of it. Like we kept yeah. some of it. And one of the things that they'd included was mother piece uh-huh. Uh, and so it made sense to include it be- because of like time period. We didn't have another right. deck from that like specific era. era. Yeah. And also content wise, it being like the first feminist deck and it's cool. It's round. Right. People really love yeah. it. The people that love it really love it. Right. My friend Samara well, and was like, we also kind of my par- wanted decks. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, we, we also kind of just wanted decks that were still being published. Right. That, that was also part of it. We didn't want to do yeah. a bunch of stuff that was completely impossible to find. We wanted to be exactly you could have in your hand. Uh, my friend Samara picked up tarot and then she was like visiting her mom or something during the pandemic. And she's like, yeah, I went to go get myself a reading. And the only deck my mom had was this one. And she's like, her mom is specifically the person that I'm thinking of when I think of like <laughs> the family friends that, 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 sort of are of this era who love this sort right. of thing. So it was so funny. I was like, of course Sandy has this deck. <laughs> Nothing has ever made more sense to me. Yeah. Than Sandy yeah. Has this deck. Well, and I guess one last thing from me for co-authoring. Oh yeah. Like I, got I so think going, that's okay. I think going in like palms open that like nothing, like, like knowing when to pick your battles, like where, what, what, like thing do you love so much this paragraph that you want to close right. your fist and what thing are you willing to kind of open your fist for right like i think 
being aware of what you like what like core thing is here in this paragraph and what can be moved around and changed right and you know, don't be so protective google docs was so helpful because when you ha- leave the notes on there would be moments where you would have written something Beth would have given feedback. I would have explained my thought process. And uh-huh, then right. when you went through it again, another time we would like, there was stuff that didn't get sorted out the first time because we, right. you know, if there was something where I thought something could be phrased differently, or you thought something could be phrased differently, or you wanted to emphasize a different part of it or whatever, we would just tell each other that. And almost always that would resolve itself because it's like, Oh, right. that's why you did that. Okay. If that's why you right. did that, then I'm going to add a little like, you know, additional sentence to kind of make it so that it's more clear why we included that. Right. Or Or sometimes when Beth would be like, Oh, what about this fact, like this fact here? And Holly would be like, I don't know. And I'll be like, yes, it's true. Yeah. Here's where I got this. Here's where I got it. Yeah. Or another interesting conversation was about the fact that in general, we call people and books by their last Uh names. Right. But for Pixie and Frida and Lady Frida, we always called them Pixie and Lady Lady Frida. And Beth brought up the really helpful thing of, do you think Uh that maybe this could be perceived as having some misogyny to it, that all of these male creators get referred to by their names, by their last names, and these women get referred to as their first names? And so that prompted us to add a line about how we were opting to refer to these people this way out of, like, affection and love. Right. Yeah, Pixie was, like, out of affection, Lady Frida, because that's what she was commonly referred to. Nobody really called her Lady Harris. Yeah, everyone called her, and also in the in the letters that we have, she was always signing stuff, Lady Frida. Yeah, so that makes it yeah. easy to decide for that too. But yeah. I just think, like, I think that the key. Well, the other thing is that we. I mean, who knows? Hopefully, this book takes off and it's a big, gigantic, beautiful whatever. But <laughs> a lot of our motivation for writing it was to have the experience of writing a book. Mm-hmm. And so when we start off on that foot, we're just so excited to be doing it that it doesn't yeah. feel like we need to be like super precious about anything or mm-hmm. worried about if technically Esther wrote more words or I wrote more words. Right. Do you remember how worried we were about reaching our word count? And then we ended up oh, being geez. like 2000 words over by the end, just accidentally. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Accidentally. We were like right, fully right. panicked, just like oh, so worried panicked. that we weren't going to hit 50,000 words. And then we did. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. But and then also like at the end when we were sort of like winding down, it was like there was one point where we had to do the acknowledgments really quickly and you were going to sleep. So I just put them together for us. And you gave the approval. Like everything was just sort of like we really trust each other. We're really able to be open with each other and talk about Mm -hmm. stuff that comes up. And so we can do things like Esther writing the entire intro initially I didn't even look at it until like three <laughs> rounds of editing after that because it was in a different folder and I just didn't even realize. Oh right, it was right, there. oh yeah, because all the folder structure was yeah, like another thing. Exactly. Like, what folder is this in? It was just a well, lot to keep track. of. I just of. started like keyword search because I'm like, yeah, I'm tired this of is how we'll find it exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I would write anything with you, Esther. I loved yeah. it. You're a great yeah, co-author. I think, I think it was like, a, like not like a great experience to like I have a I have a book before turning thirty five. <laughs> True. <laughs> But I, but I think like, I think for me, the excitement came from telling stories that aren't widely known. Like we kind of know like Pixie story because of course, like, well, we read that huge ass book about exactly wrote the book. (laughs) You know, that's, that's like the, the tome of Pixie. Yeah. But these other stories like about fucking, what is that? What is it? Visconti? Is it Visconti? I don't know. What's the story? 
um, where the guy kind of sold it and we think it was for gambling debts. No, that, that was Solabuska. Is that Solabuska? Yeah. <sighs> that was such, that's so good. It's so, so good. good. It's just like, and then we don't talk about the contemporary <laughs> section enough, but that's also really cool because there's so yeah. everyone who creates a tarot deck has such an interesting story. Like I was thinking, and I don't even remember if we included Crystal very Banners much of this. was a really really cool. Story. Oh yeah, I loved being able to include that, and then obviously our friends who've made decks. But what was the one that I was thinking? The Black Power Tarot, Black Power Tarot had some really cool stories. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who created it is like a famous musician. <laughs> And yeah, he yeah, yeah. Worked with a famous filmmaker who's like very into tarot, and his name's right. like escaping me Jordan, right now. Jordan, Alejandro, Jordan, Jordan, yeah, Jodorowsky. Yeah, and there's like all of this cool stuff about this specific deck that has all of these black celebrities. It's yeah. just so cool. There's so many awesome stories from people who are making decks currently, and being right. able to say like, "Here's this awesome deck. Here's other stuff you might like." I loved being able to com- to include Fifth Spirit Tarot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like. So many people that we find compelling get to be part right, of it. and the contemporary section could have been much, much, much longer, but we just had a deadline. Right, so. a deadline, <laughs> a page limit, and also access to uh, creators. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so. I just, I really, really do love this book. I'm super yeah. proud of it, and reading it is a blast. Now you can find a used episode on, or a used uh, version on Amazon. Also, <laughs> hey. Somebody's already selling it. <laughs> I was like, are you gonna are you selling it your extra copies? No. Keeping them all. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I was I had a bunch of more people I wanted to give them to, but now I'm like, what's the point of giving my sister one when she already bought one? Oh. See, she loves you. She you bought know, it. She loves me so much. <laughs> she did. I didn't even cancel my pre order, Esther. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had two two orders go out the set on the, my little credit card statement. My my credit card was like, "Why are you buying from Amazon all of a sudden?" Yeah, what's going on so, here? What are you doing? I have no fifty bucks for Bookester. Oh, I had a Kickstarter snafu that I'll tell you about after we're done recording. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you now. I backed okay. this like really cool Dutch oven on Kickstarter. Oh yes, yes, the yes. Early bird price was still available. Thinking, oh, I'll cancel this before it actually funds. Like I, I, uh-huh. I don't actually need this, but I love it so much. And there's an early bird, so I'll keep it. Last uh-huh. night, I had this uh-huh. flash of like, did I ever cancel that or that Kickstarter? <laughs> I did not. Like one hundred forty dollars. What did I do, Esther? And it took it out of my account, like like a month ago and Nathan hasn't said anything because my crazy Kickstarter habits that doesn't even stand out as a face him anymore. (laughs) I was like, he hasn't said a single word, but I think he just assumed it was Dex and no, it's a beautiful bot. (laughs) Oh yeah. Cause I remember cause on Kickstarter it said, Hey, Holly Holly has backed backed on this. I was like, Ooh, that's really pretty. That's going to be heavy for shipping, but that's really pretty. (laughs) Yeah. That's a whole other thing. Shipping hasn't even been charged yet. We shall see. So basically what I'm saying is be careful people. (laughs) Yes. Be careful. Okay. Okay. Cancel. If you ever, if you ever back something just because there's a pre-order or because there's an early bird available, remember about that. (laughs) (laughs) Set an alarm on your phone. Exactly. Oh geez. Oh geez. Um, so if you'd like to support us on Patreon, we have bonus content, all sorts of fun stuff there. We really appreciate it. We love you for doing it. We just started what we do in the shadows and have, we want your thoughts on how you want to hear it. Yeah. Because we have now probably up to two options now of what you would prefer. (laughs) We have up to two options and we would love to hear your preference. (laughs) All right, Cheryl, your card is the Ace of Wands. 
And Justine with the Morgan Greer tooth. Three, four, five, six, seven. Your card is the world. Oh, oh I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for supporting us, friends. Yes. We love you. We do love you so much. And that's our show. Right? Yep. Yep. Totally is. Yep. You can send us your questions at wildlytarot.com if you have questions that you think tarot will help with or just questions about tarot in general. We'll take both. Woo. And tell your friends about us. Rate and review us. Thank you so much for your book reviews. Yeah. I did peep the book reviews. We have eight, eight on, Amazon, on now, Amazon now. So thank you. I know. And they're all wonderful and beautiful. So thank you. Please thank keep Thank you it for going. the five stars, everybody. Keep yes, it coming. Thank you. Keep it coming. <laughs> as well as you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever, whatever app you use to listen to us in your earballs. It helps us grow and does fancy algorithm stuff to keep us yeah. pumped. It seems like the algorithm is the real reason to do it. Exactly. <laughs> you can also follow us on Instagram at Wildly Tarot Podcast or join our Facebook community by searching Wildly Tarot Podcast on Facebook. And also we have a Discord server with lots of awesome, cool people and a bread bubble merch yep. where you can join us with our existential dread coffee cups. Ex absolutely. All the better. And remember, go forth and tarot wildly this week. Start writing a book. Don't steal oh, our ideas. I don't know. Yeah, please don't steal our ideas. Ah, love Yay, you. love you! <laughs>